curious minds. And here is your host, Gary Cachulio. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, Tales from Beyond Belief, An Ordinary Person's Extraordinary Journey into the Unknown, Joseph Simkovic, author of How to Kiss the Universe, an inspirational spiritual metaphysical narrative about human origin, essence, and destiny. And Ms. Aida, author, psychic, spellcaster, rootworker, and witch. And you can find her at MsAida.com. M-I-S-S-A-I-D-A dot com. And this episode is sponsored by Ginger Glasser. You can find Ginger at tarotbyginger.com, and she is a tarot reader, evidential medium, and healer. And you can find her at tarotbyginger.com. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Barbara DeLong, and we are here to talk about her new book, Before Roswell. Thank you for coming on. Oh, it's my pleasure. I always, I always enjoy talking about something I know quite a bit about. So, how far before Roswell are we going? Are we going back to, like, the mound people? We are going back. Let me just get it right, because I want to uh, I want to get it absolutely. We're going back only 270,000 years. Okay, that's not too bad. It's only where humans maybe started existing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's according to the Summer um, Kings list and um, Stumer. Kings list, mm-hmm. and apparently they reported it seeing activity in the sky back then. Yeah, yes, no, in the Sumerian texts. Yes, so, though we have no art, you know, newspaper articles to prove it, but um, <laughs> it, it is that far back that they have been recorded. So, what do you think it is? Let's go over to the beginning. Do you think that extraterrestrials have anything to do with hum- the origin of human beings? Oh, that's hard because actually we are extraterrestrials because we are not indigenous to this planet. Hmm. Where did we come from? Um, The stars, I guess. They did a study not too long ago and found that human DNA was older than the Earth is. So we had to come from somewhere else. But but as far as the, the stuff we see in the sky, they are definitely unidentified flying objects, though who or what mm-hmm. created them, that's up for grabs. Uh, and, and especially after Roswell, we really don't know if, if they're extraterrestrials, or if they're German, if they're Russian, if they're Swedish, if they're ours, and they're not telling us. Um, but when you go back, way back, uh, it, it they definitely come from somewhere else. Although a lot of the times they're coming from out of our mountains or out of the sea so that they're coming from here on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. Now, are they, are they grays, greens, or reptilians, Nordics, or whatever? I, you know, I'm having trouble with swallowing all of that. I think a lot of it has to do with imaginations that have run wild. And, and I'm not sure 
I buy all of it. Uh, I will. I will say to you for sure. I saw a UFO on my on my college campus in mm. 1966. It was as real as my desk is, as my computer is. Uh, I didn't see anybody in it, so I don't know if it was a drone or if it was manned or occupied by some something or someone. Uh, I've heard the stories that everybody tells, and I, I'm I'm afraid I'm I'm one of those people that I will tell you that greys exist when I see one. And I will tell you that, that Nordics exist when I see one. I do believe that there are other life forms out there. I personally think most of them are humanoid, but I have nothing to base that on. It's just a gut feeling. I, I don't feel that, I feel that science fiction has run away with the story. And, uh, you know, the War of the Worlds didn't help in, in, um, whenever it was 20 or 30, in no, the 30s, I think. It, it scared everybody to death. But I'm, I'm a little bit reluctant to buy into the fear, the fear of it all. If they really were going to take us over or eat us or anything like that, they would have done it thousands of years ago. Absolutely. So my feeling is what we may be seeing are drones from the future. It's possible. So you think these are drones made by future humans? I, I would hope so. Um, I know the, uh, the, the Rendlesham Forest sighting uh, was, I, I, from, from the description of, of Jim, the guy that actually touched the, the vehicle, he said it was, you know, a drone. It wasn't really the kind of, of uh, vehicle that, you know, two or three people could cram into. And he was downloaded with uh, binary code mm -hmm. that was that was that was definitely interpreted to say basically we're still watching this human condition and and um, the point of origin from the drone was eighty one hundred, which is way in our future. So I I would be more inclined to buy that one than. Than alien races fighting in, in tunnels under the earth. Wow. Time travel. I wonder, I've always wondered like about this, like whether, you know, even with the grays, like I wonder if there were like future humans that went out to space at some point and evolved into a shape that was more conductive right. to being in space. Or devolved, yes. Well, yeah. That to me, that would make sense. Um, I know that in the 40s, Hitler or his scientists were, um, um, in, they were experimenting with, um, I believe, time travel, but also, uh, also the 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 uh, levitation and stuff like that. And I know that one of their experiments got out of hand and. At some point in time, later on in the future, a bell-shaped object suddenly came pummeling through the atmosphere and landed. And the name of their experiment was the bell, the Glock or whatever. And I'm wondering if, you know, they actually did travel through time. Nikola Tesla was looking into it as well. And, mm -hmm. and also 
levitation and stuff like that. And so I, I know it's been investigated. I'm more inclined to believe that the human condition is far more um, capable of doing a lot of these things than, uh, you know, we give the aliens credit for. Mm. And as far as pyramids and, and all of the massive structures that are out there, I believe that most of them came before the last um, mass destruction, mm -hmm. you know, back 20, 30,000 years, and that that recent cultures have built on top of the foundations that were laid, but they can't duplicate it because that culture, that civilization, became extinct with the mass extinction that hit the planet. Hmm. So do you think that the previous humans were were more advanced than what we are now? I think probably, and it's just my, my belief, I have no proof for it. But from, from all that I have read and, and all the people that I've talked to, it, it to me seems that, that this planet has supported amazing cultures and amazing societies, but they've all been different. And then there was a mass destruction and we started again and we built again. And, and quite often the creators of the, the, the edifices that we see, just they died out so that there was no way to replicate that route. That, that stuff. And you can tell in a lot of the structures that are around today that there are many different levels of, of construction, some not as good as the mm. ones that were at the very bottom. So my theory is that, that while our DNA may have come through time, a lot of the, uh, the wisdom and, and the intellect and, and a lot of the stuff didn't come with it. So we have to reinvent the wheel, so to speak, over and over and over again. So the, the time drone, the drones or time travelers that are coming into our time from the future, do you think they're trying to speed up human evolution so we can get back to those points? I would, I would say yes. Uh, I know one of the crop circles in England in the last couple of years was the picture of a gray. It was a, it was a gray with a, a big disc uh, with binary code on it. And it gave warnings to people that lied and, and things like that. So, yeah, I think a lot of those patterns are trying to give us information without intervening in our culture's involvement. involvement. I, mean, I, I, would, I would think that like Star Trek, there has to be a non-intervention clause someplace. And, you know, they can't just land a ship and say, hey, look, you know, we come from the future and here's the material you're looking for and, you know, step up and, and, and move forward fast because you stop and think in our culture today, anytime there's a new invention, the first thing they want to do is make a weapon out of it. I would hope that the future is better than that. Hmm. I can't imagine it. Like it's bad enough having to work about the current worry about the current present moment and the future besides having to worry about the past changing and messing <laughs> up the future you know what i mean yeah no it, it's uh you can you can really get you know warped by the whole thing but the reality is there's a lot of material out there now that's very spiritually oriented and i i am more encouraged than i ever have been that you know uh 
100 or 200 years ago, I would have been born, burned at the stake. And I'm not. So, yeah. so we've, we've come a long way. But it, it's my philosophy that would have gotten me in trouble back then. And, and it still may, you know, I, you, you never know. But I think that things like the book that we just put out, I think are very, very important because I'm an, I'm, I'm a retired school teacher. Mm-hmm. And I am seeing what the kids are being taught in school today, and I'm horrified. And if if you took before Roswell, and if you taught history through the different occurrences that happened, not necessarily that they were historically important, but they happened in different time frames. And if you presented the time frames and and what was going on during that time, you make history more interesting and it comes alive and kids will pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. That old saying, uh, you know, if, if you don't um, pay attention to history, you're doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very, very true. Mm. I mean, just look, look what happened. Look at, um, oh my goodness, uh, look at the Battle of Los Angeles. Look at Look at the, the uh, Phoenix Lights area. I mean, you know, they right. saw they, they see these things, and then they don't know what they are, and they they have never explained any of them. And then we have balloons floating around here, and everybody's going off on their UFOs. They're, well, they were UFOs, but mm-hmm. they weren't manned by aliens. And yet, they only talk about one that was shot down. The other ones, they haven't said anything about that were different shapes and made of metal. Yeah. So, you know, they leave us in the dark and they leave us to our imaginations, which are profound. And before you know it, you've got a panic on your hands for no reason. Hmm. And, you know, aliens, you know, if they turn up, they'll probably get shot. If I was an alien, I certainly wouldn't walk around declaring I was an alien. Well, they probably put me in a mental institution or shoot me. And it's the same with Bigfoot. Bigfoot, they're looking to kill it so they can dissect it and see where it came from instead of the fact that it's an intelligent being and we should be able to get along with it. Hmm. Maybe the Bigfoots are testing the waters to see if we're ready for, you know, <laughs> actual aliens. We'll <laughs> see. I, I, I think it's all, all part of, some of it, a lot of it's all part of the same phenomenon. You know, whether it's interdimensional, whether it's extraterrestrial, whether it's time travel, or some combination of all of them. Well, I, I have long ago come of the opinion that that whatever is out there is not traveling through space like Star Trek did. They are obviously either finding wormholes or they're interdimensional. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't make sense that they are in a spaceship. It just doesn't make sense to me. So, uh, so, that, so that now we're at a point where I think the the crop circles are interdimensionally made. I think a lot of the stuff that's that's out there that we're looking at and not understanding, it was interdimensional. I don't think it was travelers in spaceships that parked here. And the thought of a runway for a spaceship is stupid. I mean, they're able to go up and down. They don't need a long runway, and yet the Nazca lines, they're saying, those were runways. I don't think so. Hmm. 
just me. Hmm. Yeah, but but it could be run, runways from a previously advanced group of humans it for another be. epoch. Yeah, it absolutely could be. And with the way the, the poles shift every 5,000, 10,000 years, you, you just never know, you know, what area was left open for humanity to thrive in. Hmm. Interesting. So what got you interested in all this? Was it because you were a school teacher and looked at, started looking at history? No, actually. Um, <laughs> I, I would like to say that was so, but it's not true. Um, I, I taught school for 25 years. I taught special ed. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very familiar with getting a little of stuff. from. I, I taught ABCs to algebra in the same room. So... Um, but I, was, I had a car accident in the, um, oh gosh, I had a car accident in the, in the 80s, 70s, 80s, 80s. And um, I had to stop teaching. And because of that, uh, I, you know, got further into the metaphysics. I was always involved in this field. But then I started to stretch it into other areas. And, and in, in 66, the, uh, you know, the UFO landed on my campus. And I think, I think something clicked in me then. And it was sort of, it, it was really amazing. We were locked in our dorm because we got locked in at 11 o'clock at night. And when I saw it, there were obviously hundreds of girls that were seeing it too at mm-hmm. the same time. And a lot of them were screaming. A lot of them were hiding under beds. A lot of them were trying to get out. I don't know where they were. I don't know where they were going, but they just felt trapped being in the dorm, locked, and and the girls and I saw this thing, and I just stood there with my mouth hanging open, like, whoa, I want to know what that is. <laughs> and the girl next to me did not see it. That's weird. She absolutely did not see it. I I've spoken to a lot of people that were there, and. They remember hearing people saying what it was, but, but they, they, they didn't look. They were too afraid to. And then there were people who said, no, I looked and I didn't see anything. And yet the police were swarming the campus. They, were, they had their, their German shepherds. They were all over. The, there was some there. And I saw it. And I met maybe two other people that actually saw it, too. And it was kind of like it reminds me of that scene in... Close Encounters of a Third Kind, where they're shoving the hero onto the saucer to go with the with the star children that were going mm-hmm. with, the, and and they somebody said he didn't he doesn't have any of the training he's on the list we haven't had any tests and somebody said but he was invited and that's what I felt like I felt I was invited to look into something that was profound and not mm-hmm. scary. Wow. Invited by who? By the future? Whatever, whatever energetic mm-hmm. was there was an energetic that triggered something in me. I mean, I don't think I was specifically picked out, but I do think that um, there is a frequency that, that all of us operate on and whether or not that was emanating from that ship or whatever i don't know 
but but the more and more I I think about it and go back to it, it's kind of like there was a a synchronicity there, a familiarity there, and I I've not had to my recognition you know that I can say I I have um, I've not been visited at night I've not had you know I've not had aliens talk to me in my sleep though I would invite it you know in my sleep not bad in person okay you know yeah I'd go for that but but they they function as far as what everybody says telepathically um, I am a medium I am a reader I'm a psychic I, I can do all that stuff so I have that capacity to pick up signals and always have so maybe that was it I, I don't really know but the more the more I the longer I live and the more I know um, I do know that if there is a government above our government that we don't know about, that's an if, if there is a shadow government, I know they're looking for certain people. And I truly believe that, um, that Ancestry.com and 23andMe have been taking DNA samples for years and they're not doing it to connect us to our relatives. They're looking for certain people. And when the pandemic uh, happened, you'll notice they were taking swabs of cheeks and noses. They were taking DNA swabs. And they're looking for certain people. I don't know who, but they are looking for certain people. That's just my belief. Mm. So you think there's a secret government looking for a certain type of people? With certain DNA, yes. Maybe for the use of time travel? I don't know. I, I do know that they have no explanation as to um, as to uh, the, the negative blood types. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they don't know where it came from. It just suddenly was there. Uh, I, I think that every now and then people will say, well, that kind of blood type, they're survivors of Atlantis and they're looking for those people. I, I don't know that that's true, but that's another theory that's out there. My theory doesn't, you know, I, I don't know why they're looking for certain groups or certain kinds of people, but I do believe that the, the swabs that we voluntarily gave at first and then paid $100 to get our connections to our ancestry, that is not what they were looking for. Once they have our DNA... They could make a clone of that person, not even actually need that person. They could. Absolutely. That's another scary thought. <laughs> I have no answers. All I know is that we are kept so in the dark that our imaginations run wild with us. <laughs> My tour does that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I am watching world domination take place in my imagination with what's you know everything that's going on these days so i don't know I, I i feel much safer dealing with ufos and aliens maybe maybe not spiritual stuff feels a lot safer for me than anything else mm -hmm. so how about angels and beings like that spiritual beings do you think that they are sometimes mistaken as an alien from another planet 
Um, <clears throat> well, I, I personally believe that, um, that we all carry within us a seed of the infinite, the source of all creation. Mm -hmm. And our physical bodies are avatars that we're living in. And I think a lot of the problems today take place because people think this is the only thing there is. And the reality is that their spirit will move on. Their personality, not so much. But, you know, the spirit, this is just a body. And it's like a luxury car. We were put in this luxury car, but not given the owner's manual. So there are lots of things that we are, uh, that were installed at the factory that we haven't learned how to use yet. Telepathy, teleportation, um, weightlessness, astral travel, remote viewing, all of those things everyone's capable of. Mm -hmm. Our minds are amazing, amazing um, machines to work with. Now, because we have all of this wonderful stuff inside of us, our spirit, every now and then, the ego gets in the way and doesn't let the spirit actually through to speak to us, to give us the wisdom that it has to. I mean, that's part of the lesson of being physical on the planet at this time. But if our spirit has something really important to tell us, it can project holographically an angel or a messenger that we will see with our, our physical eyes. And that projection will give us the message or information that we need to have at that moment in time. I would say that probably 90% of the things that people see are really holographic projection of their own mind to give them information that they're not listening to otherwise. Wow. So... Obviously, some truth to that too, even in quantum physics, where you know, once there's no observer, there's no reality. So exactly. yeah, that means that the mind is creating the reality. I'm projecting what's in front of me. Yes, and and a lot of the um, visitations, um, like Fatima, you mm -hmm. have <clears throat> you have thousands of people looking in the sky wanting to see something that they then create. You know, it, it's, um, it was a time when everybody wanted a message from heaven, mm -hmm. so they gave it to themselves. Yeah, I, I've heard that explanation for the appearance of Fatima. It's an interesting one. It was a UFO at one of them, too. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. So, so you know, it's, it's, I don't say there's no such thing. I just say that 90% of the time, it's, it's the person's need for something so much that they create it. So. Which we do with everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's sort of like, be careful what you wish for, because mm -hmm. you can create it. We do create our realities by our perception of it. Um, and, and, and so it's, it's, it's a matter of 
what's wrong with the God, the peace of God. I, I don't use the I don't use the term God really because it's too limiting. Mm-hmm. Source of all creation, that seed that we carry within us is capable of everything. So why would you need to reach to an entity that is beyond our scope of you know, beyond our frame of reference? Why not just realize that inside of us is the source of everything and reach there to create something? That's a good philosophy or a good, uh, you know, point of view that, that, you know, the divine source is in all of us, but yet we constantly look outside of ourselves for the guidance. Yeah. I mean, um, I know people that go to church to light candles to pray for something. Why not sit and meditate, get in touch with yourself and draw it to you? Mm-hmm. You know, you don't give someone else power over you. You've got the power. And and frankly, whoever you're going to does not have the power to do anything with your life experience because that was already charted before you entered this incarnation. So, you know, you've got the roadmap inside of you. For heaven's sakes, reach for it. So, you know, it, it's, uh, I mean, we did, we, we didn't ask for, you know, to be rich and to have this many cars and to have this much money in the bank, but, but we did ask for give me and give me experiences to be able to develop this skill, this awareness, this skill set. Mm-hmm. And, and people say, well, I have the same lesson over and over and over again. And my response is then pay attention to it and learn it and you won't have it repeat. It's that easy. But people prefer to repeat the patterns. It's very easy to get stuck in these crazy patterns, that's for sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Change is hard. It's hard to break out of a a way of thinking into another one. In a way, that is changing reality. When you're able to change, you know, something, you you say I thought like, I don't know, my front door was ugly. And then one day I just changed my mind. I go, no, it's not ugly. And that's all it takes is that. Oh, sure. Well, you, you get to a place in your life where you're in the groove mm-hmm. and everything is flowing beautifully. And it don't change anything. This is really comfortable. Only problem is if you think about a needle running over and over and over again, what happens is that being in the groove creates a ditch that you have to someday crawl out of. Mm-hmm. So, change is good. It's good, but it's always hard. I like it when I'm in control to change, but I don't like it when change is controlling me. Well, that's because you let it. Mm. You can always say, nope, not this time. That's true. It's true. But, I, you know, and that's one of the things, too. You know, I think... Like you mentioned earlier, we don't realize that we have that ability. That's true. And we feel powerless and our ego takes over. And the ego only has this this lifetime as a frame of reference. Mm-hmm. And you get thrown at you. Remember what happened last time. <laughs> You're going to screw up again. And you listen and you screw up again. I mean, it, it's... Uh, <clears throat> it's getting rid of the ego. It's it, 
not you have to have an ego. Everybody has an ego, mm-hmm. but it has to know its place. And and I know when I do spiritual work and stuff like that, I basically say to my ego, go to a movie, have lunch, just stay out of my way for a while. And and happily, I have that kind of relationship, so I can do that. Yeah, my ego is great at wreaking havoc. <laughs> they do. They do. Yeah, just I don't know, like so. I've wondered, like, like, is the purpose of an ego obsolete? Do I really need it? Well, you do because um, it need you need to have something taking, you know, keeping track of what's going on in the lifetime. Mm-hmm. The ego is is can I, I believe that we have body, mind, and spirit. Body is physical. Mind is our soul and our ego. And spirit is the spirit that's riding along, you know, that's catching a ride in, in, in this avatar. So, yeah, we need we need an ego. It, it, in many cases, it, it can be a great protector, so long as it knows its place and it doesn't decide to take a, you know, to get behind the wheel and drive when it doesn't know where you're going. Mm-hmm. And that's what often happens. Do you believe in reincarnation? Absolutely. Yeah, my late husband, uh, Patrick Cook, was a biblical theologian. Mm-hmm. And um, he could quote you the Bible, chapter and verse, and, and then some. But he didn't believe in reincarnation, even though it's in the Bible. And it's, it's one of the few things that we actually um, debated over frequently. And we finally came to an agreement that whoever died first would come back and tell the other one. Mm-hmm. whether reincarnation existed or not. Well, Patrick died 10 years ago, and I haven't, haven't noticed him around at all, so my, my theory is that it does exist, and he's just not, he's too, too sub- stubborn to come down and tell me I was right. <laughs> that would be like him. That's funny. Yeah, he do want to... The ego doesn't want to be wrong. No. (laughs) (laughs) Reincarnation, too, is interesting, too, because if if we're reincarnating, right? Yeah. And these drones or whatever are coming from the future, they could be coming from reincarnated versions of ourselves. They could be. If it's string theory, yeah, sure. That's interesting. But it, it's, to me, it makes more sense than, you know, somebody from planet Q mm-hmm. watching humans evolve. Unless, of course, um, we are their idea of a soap opera and they just can't wait to see what we're doing. I mean, if they're just watching us make fools of ourselves, if they're watching, you know, if there's a, if there's a, a betting place sometime on, how long is it going to take them to blow up the planet? Mm-hmm. You know, I it just it doesn't make sense that 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 that's going on out there. And if it is, I'm so disappointed. I don't want to get to know them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we struggle here, and there are so many people that are are really trying to make things right and and improve humanity and improve life for everyone. And then there are those that are power grabbing and making it almost impossible 
And, and so you have all of this stuff going on. And it's a great soap opera. There's no doubt about it. But, uh, you know, if we keep coming back here time after time, hopefully to improve things, I mean, it's, I don't know if, if any number of lifetimes, I've always been this altruistic and wanting to make things perfect for everyone. But it seems to be a theme in my life. So I have to think that that's a direction I've been going. I'd like to think I'm here to put information out there to help people grow and, and have a more sensible, stable hold on life and reality as, as it is. And, you know, that's, that's mm -hmm. why this book was so important to me. Um, a lot of this material was on my website and Ken took a look at it and he said, Oh, that's going to make a good book and got a hold of me. And we did, he, he did a lot of work. He did a great job. And I, the more I look at the way that he has it arranged, the more I think that this easily could be incorporated into history and into teaching history from this is what was going on during this time frame. This is what their, their level of consciousness was and what was happening in the world. And if you can teach history in relationship to something that is so cool, they're going to remember it. And, and, you know, uh, my goodness, I mean, the Phoenix Lights, the, um, oh gosh, Orson Welles radio show. Mm -hmm. What was going on during those times? You know, it was wartime. People were frightened. I mean, it just, if you play that and say during that time frame, because of what was going on in the world, everyone was so panic, it created general panic in, in all of the country. You, you will be able to cement that memory into people's consciousnesses and they can use it at some time in the future. I mean, if, if I, if I stopped people on the street and said to them today, I know it was a long time ago, but did you ever hear of Orson Welles' War of the Worlds? I would probably not find one person that, that knew what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. But you connect it to something, you know, really cool. 1917, very important date. Do you know why? Why? Because the first human being shot down a UFO. Hmm. Even better, it was a German soldier. It was the Red Baron. Really? It was the, it was the real Red Baron, and he is the very first human to ever shoot down a UFO. I know that. Where did that happen? Germany. Wow. <laughs> and what does it do with the UFO? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he shot down the UFO. It crashed. Mm -hmm. And uh, the pilot got out and ran into the woods and, and got back to wherever he was. And I, we know that, <clears throat> we suspect it's absolutely true, because um, it came from an interview of someone who actually worked with or, or served or served the Red Baron in his lifetime, and they they finally reported it and got it written down. Hmm. Interesting. Now, I will never forget that date. I will never forget what happened because it's cool. Mm -hmm. You make history cool, and people will remember it instead of repeating it over and over and over again. And, I... and cool, and mm -hmm. cool not with. Not with scandal, 
not with, you know, who did what to who, but with events that happened in that time frame that that are 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 fascinating. I always I always liked history because of the reason that it's just stories. Yeah. Well, it's not taught that way. No. No, they make <laughs> you remember all this stuff. But if they teach it as a story, you're automatically going to remember all the other stuff. Well, Battle of Los Angeles um, mm-hmm. was, was an amazing thing for, for you know, thousands and thousands of people who saw the UFOs and the searchlights and they saw the, the fighter, the, the, uh, the airplanes, you know, shooting. They saw the, the bombs exploding on a, on a, on a, a shield, apparently, that, that the vehicle had. None of the bombs ever hit the, the UFO itself. Um, we had a, a man that had, was a, a young boy during that time frame, and he watched the whole thing from his bedroom window. And the next day, he went out to the beach with his friends, and they picked up shrapnel, and every, every bit of shrapnel they picked up, the Army paid them for. And there, were, there was collateral damage, but it was from our, our shrapnel, from our armaments. The saucer never fired anything at anybody. It just sort of hovered there. It's but, one of my favorite um, cases. Yeah, it's, it's a great case. And but I think I think there were there were deaths, but they were because the shrapnel hit people on mm-hmm. the ground. So. And you uh, think that you think that was a drone? No, I think that was that was a ship that actually had people in it. That was too big to be a drone. Hmm. It was huge. And you think it came from the future? No, I don't think that one did come from the future. I think it was. I, I think it was I think it was it was it was absolutely a ship. Now why it was here I don't know. Hmm. And you know I threw my theory of um, of Atlantis out there one day and somebody actually said you know that could possibly be what happened and my theory was a mothership uh, was damaged landed in in the ocean landed and terraformed around itself to disguise itself while while it sent out emissaries to try to find what they needed to fix the ship. And it was there for maybe a thousand years. And um, they they finally found what they needed, fixed the ship, and took off, leaving their emissaries wherever the heck they were on the planet which then began to build pyramids and stuff like that because they had the technology. But once they were, they passed on, um, there was no one to utilize those skills anymore. So there were no, none of, no more of these uh, structures being built. Hmm. I've never heard that theory of Atlantis. <laughs> I like it. I really like it. It's interesting. I like it had a flat tire. They had to go around looking for, you know. I mean, it, it makes sense. They could terraform. So they terraformed the mothership, which is why it was the circle within a circle within a circle. And uh, high technology went out and did stuff, conquered a couple of places, tried to conquer some. And um, when they finally found what they needed, they went home. Hmm. 
it took off and everybody went with them and everybody thinks it sank into the sea. It didn't. It flew off into the air. And who were they? Where did they come from? Because <laughs> part of it is you're saying that like, you don't necessarily believe that they're visitors from other planets. Oh, I, 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 like, I think they were, they were interdimensional. Are? Interdimensional? Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, stop and think. If they're that evolved, that mm -hmm. they can build vehicles like this, that they can do all that they can do, why would they sit in a tin can for hundreds of years? Or even if they have better propulsion systems, mm. um, they can't be. You know, it just can't be. They have to be more developed than that. They have to use a different kind of energy. Nuclear doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. That blows up. I mean, that 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 event that happened in is Russia the Tuskegee? It's not Tuskegee, but it's kind of like that name where where there was a big explosion and the forests were leveled for mm -hmm. you know. At, <clears throat> they did have um, radioactivity there, so they think it may have been a nuclear explosion. But I don't believe that they used nuclear nuclear stuff because when that spaceship took off on my campus and it felt like it hovered over my dorm, but I don't think it did. It just Time sort of stood still, but it, it it was there, and then it was it was gone, and there was no sound, there was no air displacement, there was nothing. It was it was not using a gas engine for sure. I don't believe it was nuclear because there would have been noise of some sort. There was no noise. I'm sure they have access to power sources that are way beyond our imagination. I'm sure. They could probably use the power of a black hole. Could, could possibly. And then, and then there's always the theory that the Earth is actually a spaceship. Mm -hmm. And uh, I kind of like that one. <laughs> also the moon. Know. I've heard people say the moon because... They think you know it's hollow when they threw the um, satellite at it in the rain. Yeah. yeah, I like that one. But I do think there are. I mean, there, I know there are aliens around, but they're just not as frequent as everybody thinks. <clears throat> it's like us. We've got. Um, we've got people in Antarctica. But you know, it's a very small group. It's probably not more than twenty-five or thirty. So I don't think that if there are aliens here, and there may well be, they may be in that in that mountain in Alaska that has the black pyramid in it. Mm -hmm. But um, but I don't think that that there. I would I would bet that you could probably count the number of aliens that are actually on planet if they are at all is at under a hundred. Wow. Do you think that the ones that are here? work with governments and secret governments? I, I think some of them do. Mm -hmm. But I but I also believe that there, there is non-intervention. I do believe they can't give away a lot of information. So uh, if they're if they're here, they know they know what I think they probably have come from the future to a degree. So that they know what we have developed ultimately in a certain amount of time, and they may help us look for it. But I don't think that they 
in any way will give away any of their technology. Mm. They can't. Because stop and think, our culture is a warrior culture. Yeah, yeah, we, we would use it to destroy ourselves and everything else. Or we decide to go out and, and conquer space. Mm -hmm. I mean, we'd be, the one, we'd be the bad guys. I mean, it, it, it's just, I, depending on who you gave it to, I mean, in order for this planet to be able to move forward, we all have to be able to get along. And <laughs> I don't see that happening anytime soon. <laughs> we must have figured it out to make it to eight year, you know, 80,000, whatever. Yeah. So that means or we. Somebody did. I mean, I mean, it's somebody who sent that drone to Earth from 8100. But we really, we don't even know where it came from, whether it came from another planet, whether it came from Earth, whether it came from um, an artificial planet out there. I mean, you know, it, it could have come from anywhere. When I first heard of that, I thought, isn't that great? We've survived to 8100. And then I realized that they may not be human that are sending this message. Hmm. So... Then that changes everything. We could have destroyed ourselves, and then some other thing either could have colonized here after we destroy it, or another race of humans could have evolved, or some other species. Well, they did say humanity. They mm. did say humanity. So, so it's 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 our it's our genre, but no telling what we're like that far in the future. I'll just have to reincarnate and come and see. Or it could be virtual humans. Could be. Maybe they're not really just, just consciousness of humans that was stored in computers. Well, you know, there is that theory that, that um, we're three-dimensional, but, but we actually come from a two-dimensional reality, and the two-dimensional reality creates the holograph of the three-dimensional reality. So according to that theory... We're living in a hologram. Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely possible. Oh, sure. We, we know enough to get in trouble, for sure. <laughs> are there any UFO cases that are your favorite? Um... Well, in 1897, and I think that's, a, that's approximate, there was a big flap about a lot of sightings that took place in that time frame uh, between 87 and 1900. And there was one that, that, that is sweet. And during that time frame, a lot of the sightings were, they appeared to be dirigibles as opposed to flying saucers. Mm -hmm. But in Aurora, Texas, one hit, a windmill and, and it crashed and they sort of fixed it and it took off again and then it crashed and burned on the outskirts of town and um, they were able to retrieve one body it was a very small man and they buried it they gave it a funeral and the report comes from a, a woman who actually was at the funeral and a number of years later sometime in the 70s or 80s um, a UFO agency went to Aurora to dig up the grave to, to find the body. And 
they wouldn't tell him where it was. The people of the town felt that he should rest in peace. So whatever his spiritual beliefs were, they were going to protect him, mm. which, which I think is so sweet. Mm. I, I love that story. Um, yeah, Jim Mars wrote a book about that one. Yeah. It's, it's just, to me, it, it's, it speaks to, you know, here, they knew it was a spaceship. They knew it was an alien, and yet they protected him. So, you know, all of, all of them are becoming, you know, good friends to me. I mean, even there's a, a Japanese, I think a Japanese or a Chinese emperor way back who saw stuff in the sky and he, he talked to his, he brought all of his, um, and, and we're talking a thousand years back. And he, he called his ministers in and said, you know, what is this? What's going on? And, you know, he was very anxious and they all huddled for a long time. And they finally came back to him and said, not to worry, it's just the wind blowing the stars around. <laughs> so it, it, the book itself is, is a cool book to read. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Ken and I didn't do a lot of writing. We, we pulled stuff together and he, he pulled them into categories and we wrote a little bit about each category and stuff like that. But you read through it and, and you realize that, that humanity has had a lot of experiences. And mm -hmm. it's the kind of book you can pick up and put down and pick up and put down. I jokingly tell people it's a good bathroom book. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's a joy to read. Mm -hmm. And it does give you information about something that's been going on forever. I mean, 13,000 years ago. There, there are cave drawings in France of UFOs. Um, it's, it's, you know, their, their evidence is, has been around us forever. And we're not paying attention to the fact that, you know, we're sending rocket ships out into space. We're, they're, they're looking for other humanoid cultures. And it's amazing. They, they, Records of solid gold are on the on the outside of a lot of our shut, our drones that we send out into space, looking for other intelligent life. And what really blows me away is, look up! It's been in our skies for thousands of years. Pay attention. That's where the communication should be, not out there, but what's already here. Yes, I agree. It's here. It's been here. Yeah. I don't know how long it's been here. Maybe been here before us. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? It will have been. Awesome. So, um, before we wrap this up, I want to thank you for coming on. My pleasure. And um, where is the best place for my listeners to find you and find your book? The book is on Amazon. And you can find me at BarbaraDeLong.com. That's my website, and there are connections to the YouTube channel and the radio channel and everything right on the website. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I'll just say, I went to your website, and your website could probably keep a person busy for like a week. There's so much yeah. stuff on there. I yeah, mean, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff there. <laughs> it's not just like a bio. There's like a ton of free stuff that you've written on there, and it's pretty cool. 
Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, it's an umbrella. Anytime I find something fascinating or interesting, it goes up. And uh, I have found that, uh, you know, I, I there are times I have to move stuff around a little bit, but mm-hmm. um, there there's one section there called 101 Questions, and that's going to become a book. And Ken is going to publish it for me. Awesome. Yeah. I know Ken, too. I've had Ken yeah. on. Oh, he's an amazing man. Yeah. Um, so what I'll do is I'll put a link to your website in the notes of this episode. I'll also put a link for people to buy your book. Thank you. And it's been a pleasure having you. And I hope we can do this again sometime. You've got my number. Just call me. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on. And hang on for a moment. And I'm just going to play the outro. Thank you.